Welcome to season four of the Retail Tea Break podcast. My name is Melissa Moore, the Retail Advisor, and each week I'll be joined by industry experts, retailers and product creators to decode the myths, share knowledge and give you an insight into the retail industry. So grab your cup of tea, sit back, relax and listen in to season four of the Retail Tea Break podcast. Today, I'm joined by a guest who takes a person-centered approach. This HR expert is a certified career, life, and business coach. She's a certified emotional intelligence practitioner and also a chartered accredited senior HR professional with over 17 years experience across a range of sectors. She brings awareness by empowering clients to look at things differently so that they can create a clear path and move forward with confidence. Elma Carew, welcome to the Retail Tea Break podcast. Thank you very much, Melissa. It's exciting to be here with you. Oh, I'm really delighted that we can finally have this conversation. I know we've been trying to do it for a while. Um, There's so much I think you're going to be able to tell and share people today that's really going to be so beneficial to them. So before we do all that, in the age-old tradition of the podcast, in the time that it takes to boil a kettle, which is randomly about two minutes, tell us a little bit about you and the business? Sure. So um, I know you've covered a lot of it there. Um, I'm based in uh, the west of Ireland in Galway. Um, As you said, I've been working in HR for over 17 years. But about three years ago, I decided to set up my own coaching and consulting business. Um, And in that, I do coaching one-to-one with individuals, either privately or through companies, um, on career, life, um business coaching I also then do some consulting with some SMEs who maybe don't have a HR function so they might give me a shout if they need advice around HR or contracts or those kind of things that you wouldn't necessarily have at your fingertips some larger companies then might um, uh, hire me to, to work on some projects for them I am also a mentor with some of the Leos around uh, Ireland which is very enjoyable um, and I also do some training and workshops um, for, for companies and also for private individuals on the likes of effective communication, mindset, resilience, um, goal setting, self-sabotage, all those kind of uh, personal development type topics. So I think that's that's me in a nutshell. That's fantastic. And actually, it's really great then to have someone like you with your expertise, as I said, coming on today because... I know a lot of those retailers, those SMEs that don't have a HR function that are almost then scared or embarrassed or really don't know where to turn to. But even then within bigger organizations, and I'm hearing this more and more over the last kind of year, they might have HR teams, but they're almost at a loss of how to really look after their people, put their people at the center of everything they do. So as I say, I'm absolutely thrilled that to have you on today to dispel a few of those myths. Um, so in retail and across all of selling, we often hear this phrase and gosh, it's been knocking around for donkey's years. People buy from people. But probably most importantly right now, and especially in the current climate, we need to remember, and you said this to me and it's brilliant, people work for people. So in your opinion, what on earth is going on right now? Um, And yeah, give us your insights. Yeah, so I suppose over the years when I've noticed um, or been speaking with people as they're exiting organisations, 
a lot of the time it's down to maybe the person they're working with as opposed to the company itself. So that's that's what I mean when I say people work for people. If if you're in a company, you have a manager you get on with, you gel with, um, you feel appreciates you, uh, there's good communication there. You're, you're probably going to last longer in that company rather than somebody who might micromanage or speak maybe in a disrespectful manner to you. Um, but the market out there at the moment is certainly very interesting. Like for the last couple of years, we've been hearing about this great resignation. Mm. And now that's almost turning into the great regret because people have been moving roles based on um, particularly hybrid uh, for, for, for office type roles. Um, and we've also seen a lot of people going from uh, hospitality and retail into office roles purely mm. because they're seeing maybe their friends who are working from home and they're like, well, I want a bit of that. I, I, I'd like to be working from home. And then they, they switch over. Um, but there's a lot of uh, calls back to the office now for people. And there's a little bit of regret with some people's decisions. Um, others, obviously, not so much. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a very tight market out there at the minute, but it's a candidate market. So it's it's quite difficult for employers uh, with recruitment at the minute, particularly in sectors like hospitality and retail. That's that's scary. But yeah, I, there was so much in the news back when that that um, report was done by MIT about the great resignation that I think we all went yeah there was like 20% of apparel retailers wanted to leave the workforce 10% of general retail workers wanted to leave the workforce and it was just I suppose the timing actually was bang on for people as you say starting to exit the workforce in retail for those reasons that you say there was you know there was always that expectation that there was always something better out there but some of them have come back, some have wanted to come back, some have moved into those head office roles, which maybe have meant they can work from home. Um, but it is really strange out there at the moment. But as you said, and I know we've had this conversation before, it's not just retail, it's happening everywhere to every sector. I know even we spoke before about this mass exodus from the tech sector, some of which has been forced, some of which is just down to people realising it's not for them because now they have to be back in a physical workspace five days a week. Absolutely. Yeah. And and financial services is another one um, where recruitment is quite tight at the minute. And what we're seeing is, you know, I, I've been chatting with some HR people in the last while and they've been telling me about offers that maybe they might have given to candidates last maybe November and candidates turned them down because they were actually getting more offered to work more money, sorry, to work on the East Coast. So in, in, in Dublin mainly. And um, with only a requirement to be on site one day, maybe every two weeks. So that all sounded fantastic. But now what's happening is there's a call back to the office and it's like, well, actually, no, we want you two days on site now. And that's not feasible for somebody who's based maybe in, in Clare or Galway or Limerick. So they're now coming back to these companies and going, actually, can you reconsider me again? Because that didn't work out. And I suppose that's what I mean by the great regret. There's a bit of that happening now, too, where... Uh, maybe expectations weren't properly managed from the outset by these employers. It's scary. And I think it just leaves for volatility across the whole of the kind of employment, recruitment sector, you know, those HR people, managers across the nation who, who are desperately trying to fill roles. But unless they're going to be honest and authentic, they're never going to do that. And I suppose then layered on top of that, we've got this new generation coming into the workforce 
they've been badly impacted by the last few years with COVID, but actually their expectations are probably very different to yours and my generation, the generations before us. What's your advice and I suppose your your insight for the managers and future leaders who are kind of looking at this new generation going, we don't really know what to do or how to handle them. Yeah, the, the, the newer generation coming into the workforce now have a whole different set of expectations and they're much higher uh, than maybe, uh, as you put it, our generation may have had. Um, it, it, I suppose what it comes down to for a lot of them is to be seen, to be respected, to be to be treated as as adults, I suppose, really. You know, there is a tendency in some sectors or just in some companies where maybe somebody coming in on an entry level role might be treated a little bit different um, to somebody who might be at a higher level. So I, I feel that by taking the approach of like a flat type of organization, whereby, yes, there's hierarchy there, but it's treated like a flat organization. The person who's only in the door is treated the same as the person who's five years in the door. Um, that we have the same respect and consideration for, for everybody. Um, they also have high expectations around their careers and where they're going. So you'll hear more often now in interviews, what are the opportunities for growth within this role? And that mightn't have been something you'd have heard as often in previous years, but it's definitely at the forefront of their mind. So if you have an organization where maybe there isn't a particular career path in place, you need to rethink maybe is there training? Is there something there that you can add value to this person so that when they leave, their CV is, is bolstered by that role working with you? So, you know, they might have done um, a couple of courses or, you know, they could have even done, say, a communication course or uh, a food safety course or whatever kind of they don't have to be just it could be soft skills as well as as the, you know, the likes of food safety. Um, but it's really a case of what can you offer them rather than what can they offer you, which is probably the approach we would be used to from years ago. Absolutely. And then when it comes to, I suppose, research is telling us, and I don't know how true this is right now, that this newer generation aren't as kind of fussy, shall we say, about the salary or the money being offered. It's that bigger picture. They want more value, I suppose, for, for working for you. Definitely. Work-life balance is becoming more and more important to everybody, um, but particularly younger generations, because, you know, there, this is why this uh, quite quitting was such a big thing in the last year or so. And actually on that, explain that for anyone that maybe doesn't know that term, because again, that's quite a, a buzz phrase that's been around for the last kind of year, 18 months. Sure. Sorry. So quite quitting, it'd be quite similar to work to rule, which would be a form of striking from um, uh, from over the years. Basically, it's where you will come in, do your job, work your exact hours, but no more. Um, you will literally just do the, the bare minimum, I suppose. Um, and it's not that there's a whole generation doing the bare minimum. That's that's definitely not what's happening out there. But what is happening is they have stronger boundaries around their time. So, you know, they're of the opinion, look, at you've hired me to work from nine to five. So you can have me from nine to five. But at five past five, it's back in my time now and I'm out mm -hmm. the door. 
And and to be fair, it's not unreasonable. It's it's really not unreasonable. There are times where you might expect and hope for a bit of flexibility, but this is where you need to give flexibility to get flexibility. So if somebody is saying to you, hey, I need an hour off to attend an appointment, that it's not a big issue, that it's a case of, yeah, no bother. And then when you might need them to stay on for an hour, you know, you'd hope to get that same kind of flexibility back. It makes sense. And I think, as you say, it's about reframing the way it's not just about we've always done it this way, that there has to be that flexibility there. Um, And also, I suppose, when it comes to looking at things differently, do you think employers then need to reframe the way that they're advertising or recruiting for new roles or even interviewing? Um, I know in my way, in my day, should I say, I I had to sell myself, you know, whether that was sending my CV in, whether that was being at the interview, I had to kind of put my best foot forward if I wanted to get through the door. But now from what you're saying, tables are turning. It's not so much about the candidate, you know, performing at the interview or performing with their CV, but it's got to be kind of an equal an equal thing between the recruiter and, and the candidate. Yeah, we've definitely gone from a time of the employer asking, well, what can you offer us? to the candidate now offering or asking, well, what can you offer me? And why should I choose here to work? So there's definitely a shift in mindset required by employers in that regard. Um, you know, this kind of mindset of, oh, sure, wouldn't you be lucky to have a job is mm-hmm. is is really is not there anymore. You need to be going in, I suppose, with a more equal, as you said, m- mindset. It's it's a it's a relationship of equals. Yes, obviously, one is the employer, but you need to be coming to the table with your whole offering. So, you know, if you have additional holidays or if you offer training, maybe that other competitors don't offer, like what is it? What is it that you offer that maybe the company down the road that does the same thing doesn't? What sets you apart? So similarly to the way candidates will be thinking that way, employers need to start thinking that way. And it doesn't have to cost money. It doesn't always have to cost money. Things like flexibility don't cost money. It's it's a, it's around thinking outside the box. So, you know, obviously companies getting hard, hard hit at the minute with um, cost of living and that. But it's important that when you're looking at your own company's expenses, that you're really considering your wage expense there as well. So that when you're looking at maybe increasing the price of products, you're also including the mindset of, well, actually, I'm probably going to have to give an increase to the employees. That needs to be considered as well. So it's just considering them in, 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 in everything, but also setting out your own stall, like as to what your offering is. You'll see on job adverts now, you know, they've gone from what we expect from you to here's what we can offer you. So even, even just that, um, that's a huge change in the last 10 to 20 years for sure. It is incredible because I certainly don't remember that. And and even, and I believe it's becoming more and more common now for for retailers or for, for business owners to put salaries on job adverts, whereas in the past, that was unheard of. It was like surprise on the day of the interview, if, you know, to, to kind of maybe tell you the pay scale. But is there anything else then you, you kind of see or you feel that the recruitment aspect of HR has changed, whether it's for the better or not, but certainly there seems to be more transparency at the moment. Well, you know, actually, since I was since I was last talking to you, I see that there's a, a new EU directive coming. It's going to be with us in the next two to three years. And in that, we can no longer ask employees what they were 
previously on in their wow. last one, the question has to be what are your salary expectations rather than what are you currently on and also there will be they're looking at you know implementing a requirement for salaries to be on job adverts now that will open a can of worms for definite you know for particularly with current employees who are like oh hang on you mean that team gets this um now I know they've done similar in America and there was, oh God, I can't think of the name of the company, but they put down their salary range as between one and a million dollars. So, but you know what? They thought they were being, you know, a little bit playful with it. It totally backfired on them. You know, there was, there was an outrage about it. So we have to see how the Irish government are going to implement this directive because obviously they will have their own way of rolling it out to us. So it will be really interesting to see, but it's definitely a mindset shift that we need to start making because it's coming. So we need to get used to asking people, what do you expect for your next role in salary rather than what are you currently on? Because you would see a lot of uh, companies doing that. And I'll give you a little bit more than that rather than the person that might be coming in and go, well, actually, I think I'm due a lot more than that. Or, oh, I, I, I you know, I'm valued a lot higher than that. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the other thing is we need to be very careful now with hiring and recruitment. It, it can't be just a quick and flippant thing. From December uh, of last year, a new rule came into law that you can not extend probation beyond six months. So you need to be absolutely certain within those six months as to whether or not it's going to work out. So you know, fair enough, if, if I'm saying about giving people flexibility and you're saying, well, we need to let them prove themselves first. And that's that's totally reasonable. But the first six months, you really do need to make sure you're 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 closely working with these people to are they enjoying it? Are they settling in? Is it for them? Sometimes it just might not be for them. Um, but you don't have the luxury of extending that out to 12 months anymore. You have to know within six months. And actually, there's something really interesting in what you've just said there, that you have to work with them. I mean, how many people kind of listening or watching landed in on their first day and might have had all the fuss and of an induction or the paperwork or whatever, and then they're almost left to get on with it. And I think, again, it's quite telling at the moment that there are there are a lot of people leaving the industry because they have literally been flung in the door. There's the till. Get on with that. Do that no training involved whereas we're definitely seeing this gap open between retailers and the really good retailers who who do all the things you talked about who invest time in their people who train their people who have a little bit of flexibility because then they might have it back but that gulf just seems to be widening of those that train and nurture and those that just think it's a bit like well come in I've given you a job get on with it now and and you'll be fine yeah, and I, I can appreciate that not all companies are going to have the same budget to mm. maybe get into as, as deep a kind of a training um, schedule. But there is always something there within any budget that you can do. It's just about actually sitting down with it and, and planning it out for yourself and seeing what can you do with your resources. I, I remember sitting with companies back in the recession who would have had employees coming to them and going, we want increases. And they were going, but we don't have a budget for that. So you'd sit with them and figure it out. There's, and there was always, there was always a way to do something. It might be taken from one area to give to, to another, or it could be 
looking at maybe a benefit that might be not as costly. There's there's so many different ways to look at it that aren't necessarily going to have a huge hit on you financially. So it's important to think outside the box in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I fully agree with you there. Um, Another thing I know we spoke about recently, and this fascinates me, and it really ties in with, I suppose, this whole idea of recruitment, retention, and then maybe people actually leaving the organisation. And as part of a company's people agenda, you were telling me that you'd get rid of this whole idea of an exit interview, but you'd replace it with something. And I love the title of this. You'd replace it with stay interviews. Yeah, so I, I just think exit interviews are a pointless exercise. They're closing the gate when the horse is already bolted, like pardon the pun. But like really and truly, if you're regularly checking in with people, you should have an idea as to who's happy and who's not. Um, yes, there is data. We, we call it data that could be taken from exit interviews. Um, but a lot of the time, it's it is too late because for some employees they're actually quite irate that now you're sitting down with them yeah now you're taking the time to ask them what you could do differently and why didn't you do that when they were there so as a general rule over the years I just won't do them I I I really don't like doing them you're also legally you don't have to um oblige an employer by doing one so you can refuse to do one um and you know if you put yourself in the position of somebody who's leaving and think about when you've left a job over the years you don't want to be sitting down with somebody doing a tick box um questionnaire form you know absolutely if there's somebody that's leaving who you you actually are a little bit blindsided by sit down and have a chat with them you know I wouldn't call it an exit interview you might have a chat with them but just going back to the stay interviews um for larger companies that might maybe have a um, robust performance management process throughout the year, um, I would always say if you have just an annual performance review process where you sit down once a year and say, yeah, you did all right, you know, you didn't, and here you go, and that's it, and we'd forget about it. Now, see you in December next year. Good luck. <laughs> You're absolutely wasting your time. That is purely box ticking. So what companies can do is add check-in meetings throughout the year so they might do them quarterly they might do them um even just at one other point during the year where they check in and say like hey how's how's everything going you know is there any issues that you're having at the minute is there anything you need from me to help you to achieve the goals that we set out for you um like talk to me like how are things doing and you're doing almost a temperature check but I would keep it as informal as possible because you know once you sit down again with your box ticking and all that it can be it can be a little bit daunting, but if it's a, just a chat, a conversation, it can take 20 minutes and it could save you a lot of money in trying to um, backfill. Uh, if you have a good relationship, you might start to realize actually this person is starting to be less engaged maybe than they were six months ago or three months ago. Um, what's happening? And, and you can actually just dive into it um, and, and see what the issue is. Yeah, I think it's such good advice there. It's just keeping these communication lines opening, isn't it? And as you say, goodness, if we do that, it actually saves companies money in the long run, which, again, I think a lot of retailers only realise when it's too late. Um, but to bring you back to something you said there, and forgive me, because this might be a whole other podcast episode, um, SMEs out there that I know are listening, because I've spoken to plenty who don't have a formal review process, um, 
should they just be having those chats anyway? I think so. And I mean, you don't have to have a big structure or form or set list, list of questions or anything like that. But it is important to sit down and have a cup of tea and have a chat or whatever way you want to do it. But just to actually check in with somebody. The other thing that will come out in those conversations is stuff that might be going on for people personally that could be impacting work. And, you know, if somebody's with you for eight hours a day, five days a week or whatever it is, it is important that you you've some idea without, you know, crossing boundaries. But, Mm. you know, there could be just a particular something going on that they might need a little bit of support with. Um, that they, they might need you to get, cut them a little bit of slack for a couple of months while they're going through something. You know, it, it does help because you could be, as the employer, getting really frustrated. Like, why is Elma just not, she's not showing up the way she normally does or she's distracted. Like, what the hell, what's going on with her? You could find out by having a chat. Like, is everything all right? I've noticed you're a little bit distracted. In a respectful way, obviously not everybody's going to want to share with you, but once an employee knows that, they can open up to you and they can speak to you and, and share that stuff with you. Um, and that you have, if you're a business owner and you have another people manager that is managing all this for you, so long as they're communicating this back to you, because while it's an informal chat, if somebody's telling you in those informal chats that they might be feeling bullied or they might be feeling stressed because of work and you don't in turn share that, feed that back, to the to the person who needs to actually to, to, to deal with it your 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 you know your inaction is action in itself you're you're kind of um you're making trouble for yourself in the long run you need to act if somebody is is sharing something like that with you it's so important it absolutely is but yeah I I love that idea and I know there'll be retailers listening going we don't have a formal process but having those cups of tea as you said having those chats and then actioning from whatever is said is is so much more valuable to everyone in the long term it really is um great advice there and I really really appreciate that so goodness final question then um what's coming up for you and and the business over the next few months um well I suppose the coming a little bit more of a of a larger emphasis on on training uh, particularly mm. around things like resilience and that so I will be working a lot more on my um on my training offerings and workshops and that just to try and expand on that a little bit um I'm still working one-to-one with my uh, private clients and also with some companies who have me working with some of their employees um and yeah just doing more 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 coaching and consulting Melissa the work oh, I love. <laughs> absolutely. And I think this is the thing. And again, I really want to stress here that to, for anyone listening that doesn't have a HR function in-house, this is a great way to just cover your back for legislation, but also to have the chats with a real expert that that knows and understands what you're going through and like that can just pinpoint you in the right direction, but also be there for you because the biggest fear from an awful lot of retailers I talk to is they don't feel that they're people people they almost know how to run a business or sell stuff but when it comes to managing or minding their employees it scares the life out of them it really does yeah and and I I know we said this before just to briefly say it again a lot of it can be around your expectations because when you're a business owner you're going to be given a whole different type of love and attention to your business 
but maybe an employee mightn't have that same level. And that's not unreasonable. That's that's perfectly reasonable. So we do sometimes need to manage our own expectations around what we what we expect to get from from the people we hire. Great advice. Great advice as always. So listen, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please, please like and share it. Um, check out Elmer's website, which is it's elmercrew.com. Fantastic. And you'll also find her across social media channels. And then you can also listen back to previous retail tea break podcast episodes on any of your favorite platforms and on YouTube. So until the next episode, thanks so much for listening. Thanks, Elmer. Thanks a million, Melissa. Take care.